Welcome to the Senia Happy Hour Podcast with your host, Lori Bull. We know you're busy, so we bring you one hour's worth of content in under 30 minutes, leaving you time for a true happy hour. Hello, everyone. Today, I speak with Dr. Jacqueline Jodel, who is Chief Global Education Officer at the Special Olympics, and she's responsible for global education and youth leadership. Previously, Dr. Jodel was an associate professor at the University of Virginia's School of Education and executive director at the Aspen Institute, leading the National Commission on Social, Emotional, and Academic Development. Dr. Jodel's life is dedicated to helping organizations like Special Olympics that help children and young people who advocate for a more inclusive world where differences are celebrated and not feared kind of like Senya. So today we talk about this amazing organization, Special Olympics, the evidence behind it, and how to get more involved. I know you'll be excited to start a unified sports program in your school, and our call to action for you is to get involved somehow. It just takes one person to start something. So I'll stop talking so you can hear from Jackie herself. So now, on to the show. Hi, Jackie, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we are delighted. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had the great pleasure of speaking with Chris Nikich on our podcast. Uh, as a quick reminder for our audience, Chris is the first individual with Down syndrome to complete a full Ironman. And as we were chatting, his father reminded us that Chris was an athlete with the Special Olympics. Absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> Arguably our most famous athlete. <laughs> Probably. Um, I myself had the opportunity to go to the Special Olympics when it was in Shanghai, China, um, back in the early 2000s. And it was truly one of my favorite experiences ever to see the athletes all there cheering each other on in the spirit of the games. It was just uh, it's something I'll never forget. <laughs> so what does this, can you help us understand what the Special Olympics do? Um, is it a sports organization only, or do you do more? Well, that's absolutely the most foundational question is what, you know, what is Special Olympics? So we are known uh, for being a sports organization. And as you described, you know, our global events, the global games are just transformative events, not only for our athletes, but for those, you know, the spectators who come to, to watch their loved ones or uh, friends um, or family, you know, family members um, participate in the athletic competitions. And it can be, uh, it can be absolutely uh, an organizing event in one's life as you see those individuals with and without intellectual disabilities come together and compete and learn about differences and learn about how to bridge those differences. So th that's really our flagship, um, our flagship event is, is the World Games. But Special Olympics really has taken the platform of sports and become so much more. So we really operate in uh, three different categories beyond sport. The first one is health. Um, as, um, 
as those who um, work with those with intellectual disabilities, often the health needs are a little bit more challenging than those without. And so we understand that we uh, deliver health programming around the world, not only uh, programming that uh, attempts to uh, focus on early identification, but also just programming that just addresses just basic things like hearing and eyesight, um, as well as um, uh, just basic fitness, because often those with intellectual disabilities don't get the type of exercise that they that they probably um, that that many others um, that many others do. The second area that we operate in is what we'll call the education or schools work, and we are in uh, about thirty countries around the world. Uh, in schools, and we deliver unified school, what we call unified sports programming, along with unified uh, schools within a unified schools model. And that really is an incredible opportunity to bring together young people with and without intellectual disabilities. That's the model again, which is key, um, because what we know is that the one of the most important barriers to well-being among those with intellectual disabilities is being included in ways that overcome the bias of those um, without intellectual disabilities. So the only the only way to kind of build build a bridge or to get through that that bias is to bring together those with and without intellectual disabilities and just have them learn from one another. So that's really the core of the sports pro, of the education programming. And then the final area that we operate in is we call leadership, and this includes both youth leadership. Um, where we work um, both in and out of schools, uh, building youth voice to advocate for a more inclusive um, world. And then we also work um, in a range of leadership contexts with adults, including um, coaches, including those with intellectual disabilities. Again, this, this model of bringing those with and without intellectual disabilities together to build leadership skills in communities. So as you can see, we do Special Olympics does a lot of things, 190 countries around the world. And it's a it's a big operation. And as if if I was sitting here next to the chairman, Dr. Tim Shriver, what he would what he would say is we are the largest grassroots, grassroots um, community organization around the world. So we spoke with well, first of all, amazing. <laughs> um, and then we spoke with Best Buddies a few, probably about a year ago, and they were also started by the Shriver family. Yes, yes. So um, Special Olympics has this wonderful history of uh, being um, founded by the Shriver family. So Eunice Shriver, for our listeners, um, was JFK's um, President John F. Kennedy's sister. She um, had a sister, they had a sister who uh, had intellectual disabilities. And in those days, there was just tremendous bias. Um, and, uh, and so the way that her sister um, was treated um, just caused her to really rethink um, her life, her own life course, and how she could contribute to the inclusion of those with intellectual disabilities. So in 1962, I think it was, um, someone reached out to her and expressed, like, we need to have some type of 
some type of a, a summer um, events or something for these children with intellectual disabilities. And that started her thinking. And before you knew it, um, in 1968, um, something that started out in her backyard in her pool. And there you know, some famous pictures on the internet of her um, with children with intellectual disabilities in her backyard pool. But in 1968, it was the first Special Olympics Games and they were in um, Chicago at Soldier Field. So that um, was started um, by Eunice um, Kennedy Shriver and her son, Dr. Tim Shriver, took over uh, as chairman um, uh, probably about, I think it was probably about um, 20 years ago, he was initially CEO and then he became chairman um, several years ago. So he's very involved in Special Olympics and is, is our key external face of the organization and also really drives a lot of the education work because he's a uh, global education um, expert, you know, uh, being trained as a, initially as a teacher and then later to go on and do doctoral work in education. Um, the other uh, organization that you mentioned, Best Buddies, was founded by his brother. And it is also just a real transformative organization bringing together those with and without intellectual disabilities, you know, the, the notion of Best Buddies, because we know that one of the most important things we can do to create young people and adults who are healthy, and I'm talking about you know physical and emotional health, is to make sure that we foster good relationships because we're social beings and everyone needs um, healthy relationships in their lives. That's certainly true. I wanna circle back with you about the unified sports program that you mentioned earlier. Uh, so as our listeners know, I have a 22 year old son, <clears throat> excuse me, with profound autism. And when I was living overseas, I would see my friends on social media from the States uh, who had also had children with intellectual disabilities. Um, and they were sharing about something called this magical something called unified sports. Their kids were like on the basketball field or basketball courts playing with other children. And it was a team of individuals with special needs and, and those without. Um, they were playing soccer, they were playing all these sports together. And it just looked truly, as I said before, magical. And I always found that I was quite jealous because I was overseas and we didn't have that opportunity. So I wondered if I could somehow make it possible at our own international schools. So can you just tell us more about Sure, that? absolutely, yeah. So, so Unified Sports is uh, one of, it's, it's one of our most um, important programs because what we know is that when we bring together young people in athletic environments, all of a sudden, you know, differences just melt away. And what happens is the focus is on the game, the focus is on the win, the focus is on the experience of, 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 of competition. Or in the case of Special Olympics, it's not about really performing better than one another, it's just performing at your very best. That's really the focus of, of competition for Special Olympics. So we are actually um, in communities around the world where we deliver unified sports programming. 
And we also deliver unified sports programming in a thousand, a hundred thousand schools around the world. So when I mentioned that we're in 30 countries, a hundred thousand schools, and it is absolutely our most important program because it, what it does is it creates uh, these inclusive mindsets among and really inclusive behaviors among young people as they experience sport together and then learn that you can have friends that that may you may think have more differences than similarities but once you start to compete and to share um, your love of sport and competition uh, those differences as i said disappear and commonalities emerge uh, yeah I love it. <laughs> I was wondering, so you you say you're in all these countries, which is amazing. And if our listeners are out there thinking, I'd love to do this, what yes, what should they do? Absolutely. So so we have um we have um a, a an incredible footprint around the world. So we have special Olympics regions. We have seven regions around around the world. And within each of those regions, we have programs, national programs across these 190 countries. And so it's very likely that your listeners are in a country that has a special Olympics program. And it's all, all the programs are listed on our, on our website. And just to Google Special Olympics with, with one's country, it, it will be very easy to track down um, whether or not your country has a program. Chances are they do. Um, and if not, there are absolutely opportunities um, to, uh, to become, you know, a, a, an actual uh, program that is uh, a new program in a new country and, and go through the process to, to become that. But chances are um, you're in a country where there is um, a Special Olympics program. And just to reach out to them, we, the, you know, I think every 20 minutes, someone, you know, before, before the, the COVID, the pandemic, one of the um, metrics that came out was every 20 minutes, there was a Special Olympics program or event happening around the world. Um, so it's not only unified sports programming that happens, there's also a range of other, as I mentioned, health programming that's going on, as well as leadership programming uh, that's going on. And, um, and other types of programming to really support the families and the caregivers and the siblings. So there's a whole portfolio of programming that we, that we offer um, across the world. That's great. And so if people wanted to say, get more involved in coaching or all of the different opportunities you mentioned. Yes. They just yeah. hop on Google their country and they can hop, they can hop, they can hop on Google and 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 once you start to get involved in your um, local program, there are opportunities to become a coach. And we have very extensive coach training, uh, both um, in person, but a lot of it is increasingly um, online. And our, our coaching training is, is just superb because it really um, starts to move beyond just the competence of that sport, which of course is important is, is you know, whether you're teaching basketball or whether you're, um, whether you're coaching um, soccer or football, um, absolutely to understand how to teach, you know, teach and, uh, and coach the sport, but also to work with 
a diverse, you know, um, a diverse athletic population. So you have athletes or participants that, you know, some with intellectual disabilities, some without at a range of different um, abilities level. We have recreational teams and then we have some very competitive teams. And, you know, Chris, as you mentioned, is an example of someone who competes at the highest levels globally. Um, so we have a wide, wide range of abilities and our coaching staff reflects that. You also, there's also opportunities to volunteer on a local level. And our volunteer force around the world is absolutely essential. Special Olympics would not exist, would not be able to deliver the extent of its programming without our volunteer force. And many of our volunteers are family members of those with intellectual disabilities who really understand what, you know, really understand the, the daily challenges and also really understand the daily opportunities, the joy that you can have when you start to open up your, you know, your hearts and your minds to the, to the idea that everyone has something to give in this world. Yes. <laughs> I was curious. I know the majority of our listeners are, we're all about inclusion. In fact, um, this is 20, Senya's 20th year and our theme for the year is the inclusion revolution. Um, tell me about the, the studies or the evidence-based practices that you, you have to know that inclusion is what's right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we have, um, a whole evidence base of studies that go back, um, that go back, um, many years and, and I can, uh, let me, let me give you some of those, some of those highlights. Many of those studies have been, um, have been fielded in the U S because in the U S we have, uh, Special Olympics Unified Champion Schools in nearly 10,000 schools. And that's really, you know, where our footprint started, which, which, which is in the U.S. And that's, of course, you know, why the, why the research really stems from there. But we also expanded um, some of our research work in the last couple of years and did a really critical study in four global sites. Um, and what we found is that um, is that you really start to see dramatic drops in bullying in schools. You know, nine out of um, nine out of ten young people believe that bullying is a really pervasive problem. So if you can start to really address those types of issues, it can really change both the ex school experience for students, or if they're outside of if they're outside of um, school, because most children globally. Um, globally are not in integrated settings. They're mostly in segregated settings. But if you can start to reduce the bullying and build tolerance, acceptance, and really empathy for those with intellectual disabilities, um, you can really change the, the lives of, of those with, with ID. And that's exactly what you find with our programming. And in these studies across these um, four countries, um, you saw um, reduced bullying reported by administrators. And we're not just talking about, um, about low levels. 90, like 94% of administrators um, reported that they saw decrease, uh, reduced bullying and exclusion in, in school environments. 
The other thing is that um, it really, as I talked about, you really need to address stereotypes among those without ID for those with ID. And what you saw also in this study is that it really overturned those negative stereotypes and attitudes about disability. And you saw nine out of 10 um, students without ID in some of these countries reporting that their behavior changed. Now think about that. You know, you're not just thinking of, you're not just talking about changes in attitudes. You're, change, you're talking about those changes in attitudes translating to changes in behavior toward those with ID. And any mother, parent, caregiver of someone with um, IDD, it, that's it. Just it just warms your heart um, because that's that's really that's really what we what we want um, as parents for for our children, whether our children have ID or, or don't have ID. We want them to be accepted and embraced um, by by others. The other area where we saw improvements um, based on the Special Olympics um, programming is that we saw improvements in what we call social emotional skills. These are the life skills. And this is the ability to get along with others, the ability to resolve you know, conflict in ways that's constructive, the um, ability to, um, to, uh, to really uh, support those with difference. So all of those social emotional skills that when you hear people talk about life skills, workforce skills, um, we saw that um, we saw these dramatic increases in those skills um, among, again, among those students with ID and among those students without ID. And then the final, the final piece is that we really saw changes in school climate and you, and you saw in some of these countries, four out of five students, four out of five actual educators, the teachers were reporting that there was an improved sense of community. And what we know in education research is that the minute you have an improved sense of community, which speaks to students' connection to their school, students' sense of belonging in their school, that you have better learning environments and learning environments for all students, uh, all students. So, um, so the, the research on Special Olympics is, is quite compelling. And we're continuing, you know, there's always more research to do and we're continuing to build that research, please. Sure, yeah. Well, I really hope today is kind of the start of our conversation between Special Olympics and all of our international schools. I think, I hope that this lights a, you know, just a little spark for our listeners to maybe start something or volunteer or take, part somehow in Special Olympics in their countries. So um, thank you. I, absolutely. And I encourage everyone who has, um, you know, who has children in one of your schools to reach out to your local Special Olympics programs and tell them that you want to be a unified school. You want to be a Special Olympics unified school. How do we make that happen? And we provide grants to all of those countries to continue to expand the number of schools that they reach. Yeah, I love that. And I think uh, just if I could make a shout out to our listeners to reach out to your PE teachers as well, because PE teachers at the school, they are involved so much in the athletic departments and starting up these programs together could be really powerful for 
everyone, whether you have an uh, intensive needs program or a higher needs program at your school or not, I believe that these international schools can start these programs up in their schools. They have the resources and they can just do it. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. And there, and, and again, just to reinforce, we have, um, we also have, you know, resources or programming for more intensive needs students, uh, as well as um, those who, um, who are less, you know, less intensive needs, but we have a range of, a range of programming um, as well. And the local Special Olympics programs will be able to, to help with that. And, you know, often it just takes a single person. It takes a volunteer in a community with a child to say, all right, I'm going to make this happen. There are countless, countless examples of that around the world and in the history of Special Olympics. Well, it just takes one. I think that's a great place to end for today. So yeah. thank you, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. I time. really enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah. All right. Have a great day. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, including how to subscribe and show notes, please head to our website. That's seniainternational.org slash podcasts. Until next time, cheers.